Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. How many know that God is able? How many know that he's more than able? You know, if I were to ask you, do you believe I'm able to lift this thing right here? You say, oh yeah. Now would you believe I'm able to lift that one? You would say, well maybe. I don't know. That's a little bit bigger than, you know. But God is more than able. I mean, these things are nothing compared to him. The God that we serve, I want you to, I want to kind of paint a picture of the God that we serve. I want you to understand that he sits upon the top of the earth. He sits in the heavens and he looks down upon all of these things that are going on. He knows exactly what's going on in America today. Nothing catches him by surprise. He knows what's going on in Russia. He knows what's going on in Korea. He knows what's going on in the Middle East. I mean, he knew it before it ever happened. You ever know that? You know that? That is our God. Our God is so big. I wish I could paint a picture of how big our God is, but I cannot in any way express the magnitude of our God. And, I, and, and as I, I think about the psalmist in Psalm 8 when he was sitting and he was looking up into the heavens and he said, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When I consider the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth and all that you have created, then I think, who am I? Wow. What am I? Who am I in the midst of all of this that you created, God? I mean, think of it. You know that they are constantly discovering new planets, new constellations that have their own stars, billions and billions and billions of stars. And you know, I am relationally connected to the one who made it all. Hallelujah. That is my daddy. That's my God. That's my God. And, and, and to think that he is able. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Paul is, is, is speaking in, in, in Ephesians chapter 3. And he's saying, I bow my knees and I pray. And what is he praying? I, he said, I pray that God would give you an understanding of, of the height and the breadth and the width and the, and, the, and the expanse of his love that he has for us and all of these things. And, and then when he gets down to the bottom of it, he's so excited. And he says, he says now to him who is able... To do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we ask or think, according to what? The power that works within us. Now, it's one thing to think about the first part of that sentence, that declaration. He is exceedingly, abundantly able to do above and beyond anything that we can ask or think. But it's only because of the power that he's deposited inside of us. Hallelujah. God makes things happen, but he uses us. He has put a deposit inside of us of something that is so strong and so powerful. That's why John says, greater is he, the Holy Spirit, that is in me, than he that's in the world. That's why Jesus said in John 16, 33, and 32, he said, 33, he says, Peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto thee. He says, in this world you will have tribulation, you will have trouble, you will have stress, you will have eclipses, which is what all of this means. But he said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. He has overcome 
the world. All of these things that are happening today don't catch God by surprise. They don't mean nothing to him because he has already overcome. We win. I read the end of the book. We win. In other words, we have won. We have won. I am more than a conqueror. I am because of what? I am more than a conqueror because of him. Because of him. Because of what he's done inside of me. And, and there's nothing that we can't do because of his power that works within us. I'm I'm frequently reminding folks that I'm praying for. You know, I I pray for folks on Facebook and this kind of thing. But I always remind them of this. He is able. He is able. If you need healing, he's able. You got to know that. You got to know that he is able. In other words, the writer of Hebrew puts it like this. Now, in Hebrews 11.1, we know what that says. Most of us do anyway. If you've been in church any amount of time, especially if you've been around here. If you've been around here for any time, you know this verse. If you don't know any other. Hebrews 11 and 1, say it with me. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is. Faith is the substance. Faith is the substance. Now say I needed a million dollars, okay? And I'm trusting God for it. And God's promised that he would give it to me. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So my faith is the substance of the thing that I'm hoping for. In other words, I begin to call those things which were not as though they were. You know, God has already provided. Now, has it reached me yet? Maybe not. Are there hindering forces that will try to stop it from getting to me? Absolutely. But how do I break through and continue to believe God for it. I continually confess the word of God. I believe God. I stand on the promises of his word, which are sure. The word of God endures forever. And it will never, ever, ever fail. Just as Joshua said about the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And, and they started to go into the, to the promised land. And, and when they started to go in, he said, I want to remind you of something. This God that brought us out of Egypt, he made promises to us. And he he has not failed in any one of the promises that he made. God will not fail in his promises. As a matter of fact, God can do anything, but there's one thing that God cannot do. Y'all look at me like I'm crazy. That's not make a rock so big he can't move it. I mean, get that out of your head. What God can't do is fail. He cannot fail. If God could fail, we're in trouble. God cannot fail. He cannot. He will not fail on any of the promises that he has made. God keeps his promises. I want you to understand that. So, knowing that God is able and that God keeps his promises brings us to a place where we have to understand that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Wow, that's a heavy thought, isn't it? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, we can do a lot of works and everything else that have nothing to do with faith. You know, we think sometimes, well, you know, I can just, if I make God, if I do all of these things, then God's going to like me a whole lot more than he likes somebody else. And, and, and maybe if I do enough for God, then that's not faith. That's you working. That's you working. But faith says God can do anything, and I trust God. 
One of my friends one time told me, he says, I'm believing God for something. And he said, I'm standing on faith. And I said, what is faith? I was just a young Christian. I said, explain faith to me. He said, well, faith is kind of like this. You climb up a tree with a saw in your hand. You climb out on a limb and you saw the limb off and the tree falls down. That's faith. You're standing on something that is a sure foundation. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe, first of all, that he is what? That he is. Now think of that for a moment. Now when God met Moses, or when Moses met God, let's put it that way. God already knew Moses. But when Moses met God in that bush out in the wilderness near Midian, and he, and he was tending his sheep, and he sees this bush that's on fire, but it's not being consumed. And he goes over to look at it, and as he gets closer, he hears a voice. Moses, Moses. And he starts talking to Moses, you know. Moses is here talking to this bush. I wonder what the sheep were thinking. What's up with Moses? You know, and he's talking to this bush. And this bush is talking back. And God begins to speak to him. And God begins to tell him what he wants him to do. He says, what do you want me to do? He says, I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And he says, you know, when I get back to Egypt, you know, what am I supposed to tell them? Who, who is it that I'm supposed to tell them sent me? Because they're not just going to let me come in and take over. He said, well, when you get back there, just tell them this. Tell them that I am that I am sent you. I am. Now, that's what exactly this is talking about. He that comes to God must believe that he am, that I am, that I am. What that means is Jehovah Jireh. It means Jehovah Jireh. It means that, that he is everything that we need, that he is El Shaddai, that he's the many-breasted one, that he is almighty God, that he is everything that he says he is, and even more, that in him all things consist, and in him all things were made that were made, and in him, you know, you get the picture. You got to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who kind of half-heartedly seek him. Is that what it says? Oh, maybe, you know, kind of mediocre kind of way, seek him, you know, when it's convenient. That's what it says. What, what did it say? Diligently seek him. Now, what does it mean to diligently seek God? It means seek him fervently with everything, daily, moments, all day long. Pray without seeking. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. I mean, always, constantly bearing in mind who you are and who he is and who you represent and who is inside of you and that it greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. If you walk and live that way and walk by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, but you will accomplish those things that God has called you to do because he is able. He is more than able. And he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, I want you to focus today on whom you were presenting your requests to. Psalm 121, 1 and 2 says in the message, I like the message rendition of this, it says, I'll look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No. My strength comes from God who made heaven and earth and the mountains. That's who I'm looking to. I'm not looking to the mountains. 
My strength doesn't come from the mountains. It comes from God, who is the maker of heaven and earth, and also made those mountains. I don't know if y'all have ever been up in the Blue Ridge Mountains or not, but I used to live in McDowell County. For those of you who know where McDowell County is, it's right next door to Mitchell County. Mitchell County, of course, is the home of Mount Mitchell. And you go up on Mount Mitchell, and on the way up there, there's a beautiful little place called Little Switzerland. There's a little uh, hotel or motel there on the side of the mountain that you can go to, and they have a restaurant there. And you can walk out there, and you can you go onto this little platform they had out there, and you can look across this beautiful, beautiful, expansive mountain. Just It'll, it'll take your breath away, literally. It does me because I'm a little scared of heights anyway. But I walk out on this thing and I just stand there and I'm just like, oh, wow. And you go up on top of Mount Mitchell and, and you climb up on the little observation tower thing they've got there. And you look and you can see for miles and miles and miles and miles. And you think, God made all of this. Now, I'm not trusting in the power of this mountain. I'm trusting in the God who made this mountain. That puts things in a whole different perspective. So when we think of the God that we serve and we think of his magnitude and we think of his greatness, that's what the psalmist was doing there. He said, you know, I will look to the hills. Where does my help come from? It doesn't come from the hills. It comes from the maker of those hills, the maker of heaven, heaven and earth. Jesus taught his disciples to pray this one thing, though. He said, our Father who is in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Now that puts things on a whole other perspective, doesn't it? Now here's the God who made heaven and earth and all that is in it. And he is our father. Our father. On the basis of what? On the basis of the new birth. Being born again. Now there's two words in the Greek for father. I want you to think about this for a minute. One of them is pater. P-A-T-E-R. From which we get the word paternal. And it speaks of origin or the maker of, the originator. God is the originator of everything. So, in essence, when someone says God is the father and the maker of us all, you know, there's some religions that believe that all is God and God is all and all is God and God is all. It's just, it's so wacky. You know, so in other words, a tree is God and this bottle of water is God and this microphone's God and everything's God. And boy, that's kind of a weird perspective way to look at things. But some people believe that because they see the word pater, that God's the originator of everything. Everything in him exists and everything comes out of him. So it's kind of a crazy, but you know, that's an old doctrine that's been around for centuries. But we don't believe that because we believe that God is God. And that because of Jesus and because he has sent his spirit into our hearts, And when he sends his spirit into our hearts and we're born again, suddenly God becomes something else. He becomes Abba. He becomes Daddy. He becomes Daddy. He's our Father. He's my Daddy. He's he's more than just the maker of who I am. He is my Daddy. I have a relationship with him. He's my Father. I'm his son. That puts things on a whole different platitude, doesn't it? Now, my God, my Father is intimately connected with me and I'm intimately connected with him so that when I ask him for something 
I'm not just throwing something out there. I'm asking my Father who loves me, and because He loves me, and because He knows my heart, and because He knows what's good for me, my Father will grant the desires of my heart. That's why it says in Psalm 37, it says, it says, um, well, I I just lost my train of thought there. (laughs) Delight thyself, that's it. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, when that is your delight, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Do you delight in him? Do you delight in your heavenly father? Do you have that kind of relationship with him where you're not afraid of him? You know, where you love to just sit down and talk to him? I remember my latter years with my daddy, you know, before my daddy went home to be with Jesus, you know, I'd go up and, and visit with him, and he loved to sit on his porch and just talk. Just look over the mountains and talk, and that was my dad. I mean, he would tell the same stories over and over and over again. How I wish I could just sit down and hear those same stories over and over and over again. If we went inside, of course, it was a Bill gaither He loved Bill Gaither, and he would always put on Bill Gaither videos, and we would sit there and watch Bill, and he was the commentator. He was kind of like a sports commentator, you know. He would, he would give you uh, blow by blow what's going on. You know, he was, you know, this is Jake Hess, and this is so-and-so, and this is so-and-so, and just, you know. But that was my daddy. But what I'm saying is that relationship that I had with my daddy, you know, when, when, when I was a teenager, before I knew the Lord, we didn't have that kind of relationship. But when I became born again and my father got right with God, we had a special kind of relationship. I have that kind of relationship with my heavenly father. I'd love to just sit and talk to him. My wife will tell you in the mornings, I don't really want to be bothered. I just want to sit and let God talk to me. A lot of times I will sit there and not say a word for hours. Just sit there. I'll read my Bible and I'll just let God talk to me. Sometimes I'll read it out loud. Sometimes I won't. But I just want to spend that time just hearing, hearing God speak to me. And how does God speak to us? Elijah found out. When God spoke to Elijah, he didn't speak to him out of the storm. He didn't speak to him out of the fire. He didn't speak to him out of the wind. He spoke to him with a still, small voice. And when we get quiet before the Lord, as the psalm says in Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. You spend that time in his presence. You steal yourself in the presence of the Lord and, and God begins to speak to you. Then he begins to reveal himself to you. And the more you know God, the more you know that he is able Luke chapter 11 says this in verses 9 through 13. He says, And I say to you, seek and you will find, knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who seeks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. Will he not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? No, he won't. I wouldn't do that to my kids. Or if he asks for an egg, he won't give him a scorpion. Hey, Dad, would you pass the eggs? No, I'm going to give you a scorpion instead, son. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly 
father, your daddy. Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. God is a good, good father. He loves his children and he loves to give us good gifts. James 1.17 says, Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. So we know that God wants to meet our needs. We know that God wants to bless us. We have to know that he's able. In order sometimes, though, to, to really connect with God on another level is when we get with other people and we begin to seek the Lord in corporate prayer or in the prayer of agreement where two or more are gathered together in his name. There's a special kind of power that's released when you do that. When you get an agreement with someone else in prayer, then you really begin to unleash the ability of God to do incredible things. There's just nothing like it. You know, like in uh, John, uh, in, in Acts chapter 4, when the disciples, you know, when, when Peter and John had been locked up and they get out of jail and they come back and, and they're all beaten and everything and they come back and they're singing and they're having a good time because they counted it special that they got, that they were counted worthy to be, suffer for Jesus, you know, to be beaten like he was. They, they thought that was a cool thing, you know, and it was. But then they began to, to share with the disciples all the things that were going on. And so then they had a prayer meeting and they began to ask God for, not for more stuff, not for protection from those evil people. But they began to ask God for boldness to preach the gospel. They began to ask him to show himself strong with signs and wonders. They began to pray these things. And you know what God answered? God answered, if you look beyond Acts chapter 4, you see all the great mighty things that God did through the apostles and through the disciples. And the, You know, it, it's just amazing to see how God moved. And that's what does it. That's when we get together and we begin to stand in agreement. God begins to, to move things and stir things. You know, one shall put to flight a thousand, two shall put to flight ten thousand. My wife and I have found the most effective praying is when she gets alone with one place and I get alone in another and we pray. That's good because God works with us. He deals with us. But when we want to move things, we want to see things happen, we get together and we stand in agreement and we pray. And God begins to do some great things because we're standing in agreement. Well, we've got to be in agreement. We have to be in agreement. If there's strife in the house, it don't work. That's why Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, it says, Husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge that your prayers be not hindered. Think about that. Husbands and wives, it's important that we're on the same page spiritually. It's important that we stand in agreement together. It's important that, that we have that, that uniting of our spirits, not just in flesh, but in spirit, that we are united together, we stand together, and we can move mountains with the faith that God has given us. We know personally how that works. We've seen God move time and time and time again. That, does, that doesn't mean we haven't had trouble. Jesus said we'd have trouble. But he said we would overcome because he's overcome. But when we stand together in that prayer of agreement together, you know, someone asked me one day, what's your secret to raising godly children? You know, both of my sons serve the Lord, and for that I am eternally grateful, and I thank God for that. I'm just so thankful that that is, is one of the things that we prayed for constantly, but this is one of the things my wife and I have really wrestled with in, in, in standing together in agreement with, praying for our children, praying for our sons. More important than anything else is praying for them. We prayed for, their, for our daughter-in-laws before they ever came along. We prayed for them. And God answered. 
God answered. We prayed for them. We prayed for them not when they got ready to get married. We prayed for them before they were born. That God would, would, would prepare someone for them. And I think God did a magnificent job. He really did. He answers prayer because he is able. He exceeds the things that we pray for. I mean, how God has answered prayer in our lives, I can't even begin to tell you how much greater God has been. He is, even in my prayers for a wife, I prayed for a wife. I prayed that God would give me a godly woman. And God did. And even when we met, I was still praying. My wife will tell you that. We prayed and, and I prayed and she was praying too. Not that she wasn't, but she's a godly woman. And when my mother met my wife, she knew it before I did. And mama told me when she met Becky one Saturday night at a, at a thing we had at, at church, I brought her and, and introduced her to my mother. The next day, my mom calls me up. She says, son, I want you to come have breakfast, have lunch with me. My mom never did that. And I'm wondering, oh, God, what did I do? So I go and have lunch with mama, and she waits till everybody else leaves the table. She said, I want to talk to you about something. I said, what's that, mama? You know, I'm, I'm you know, mama. You know how it is with mama. I said, what's that, mama? She says, that girl you were with last night. I said, oh, boy. She said, I want you to know she's a woman of God. She's a woman of God, and you need to marry her. I said, mama, I just met her. She said, I know. But there's something about her. She's a woman of God. You need to pursue her. You need to marry her. I said, okay, mama, okay. You don't need to press. I know a good thing when I see it. And so we did. (laughs) Praise God, and the rest is history. But every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, including wives and children. And when we pray in agreement, when we stand in agreement... And we stand on what God's Word says. And we stand on the authority of the promises that He's made by it. For instance, we know this. Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes you are healed. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who himself bare our sins in his own body on that tree, that we being dead to sins might live unto righteousness. And by his stripes, you were healed. So does that leave any doubt that healing comes from the hand of God, that he sent his word and he healed them, that that Jesus Christ went about healing all who were pressed to the devil for God was with him. And and we know these scriptures that deal with healing in in Matthew chapter 8 and and, uh, Malachi chapter 4 verse 6, that the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. We know these things. So we know based upon the word of God that it is his will to heal. And this we also know in Mark 16, 17 that they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We know upon the basis of God's word that it's his will to heal. Knowing that, then that gives us confidence that we're praying according to the will of God. And when we pray according to the will of God, we know that he hears us. And because we know that he hears us, then we know that we have the petition that we desire of him. Does that not make sense? 
So when we stand together in agreement in prayer, God does things because His Word and He are inseparable and His Word is His bond. And when He speaks His Word and we believe His Word, that is faith, that pleases God. God loves for us to put Him as a test in that way and see Him move for greater is He. And it says that He is exceedingly, abundantly able to do above and beyond anything that we can ask or think according to what? The power that is at work within us. What is that power? It's the same power that is talked about in Acts 1.8. And you shall receive power. That word power is the word dunamis. You shall receive power, dynamic, dynamite, power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, not only does it come upon you, it comes into you. He baptizes you. He overtakes you. He changes you. He empowers you. He enables you. That's why when Peter and John went to the gate, beautiful, that that day that they walked by and going into prayer, and they did this day after day, and they saw this man who had been been lame from birth and, and that particular day the Holy Spirit spoke to John and said today's the day Peter tell him the guy's over there he's like alms alms for the poor that's the only way he had to make a living somebody would bring him there every day and they would sit him there that was their welfare system go to the temple get in a good place by the beautiful gate alms for the poor and people drop by and throw a mina in his hand or something, you know. He was still poor. It wasn't, wasn't working too good. So this man, this poor man was sitting there. Peter and John passing by. And he asked, Peter said, alms. Peter says, I don't have any money. <laughs> I don't have any silver. I don't have any gold. I do got something. <laughs> I got something. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, yes. rise up and walk. Yes. And he pulled him up. Amen. Pulled him up on his feet. He didn't just leave him sitting there and say, get up. He pulled him up. Yes. He exercised his faith because he knew that he is exceedingly abundantly able to do above and beyond anything we can ask or think according to the power that's worked within us. Yes. He lifted him up and, and the guy got up on his feet and immediately says his feet, his ankles straightened and he started walking. Not only did he start walking, he started leaping. What would you do if you'd never walked before? He's dancing and leaping and praising the Lord. Woo-hoo! I can walk, I can run, I can do all these things I couldn't do before. And he's having himself a good old time. You see, that's what God does. That's what God does. That's what God does. Brenda, you're not a survivor, honey. You're an overcomer. Amen. You're an overcomer. And a lot of those in here, a lot of you in here that are overcomers, you have overcome the afflictions and the things in your life by the word of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. The blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. And, and we know these things because God's word says it. If God's word says it, that pretty well settles it, doesn't it? That's why it says in James 5, 13, it says, If any among you is suffering, let him pray. If anyone is cheerful, let him sing psalms. If anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and the authority of the Lord's name. And the prayer of faith will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, it will be forgiven. 
And then confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. In other words, it's powerful and effective. Elijah, I love this part, was a man with a nature just like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And guess what? It did not rain. On the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth produced its fruit. You see, God is able to do do above and beyond anything we can ask for. So when we stand praying, you must have faith that that, that your prayers have been heard and answered. You got to have faith that your prayers have been heard and answered. Now, Jesus put it this way, and, and I love this picture, and I shared this Wednesday night with our intercessory group. Actually, Jeremy had shared it with us in the, in the men's group, but it makes sense because Jesus one day was on the way to the temple, and as he was going into the temple, there was a fig tree there, and it says Jesus was hungry, and he noticed the fig tree, and he goes over to the fig tree, and he starts looking for some fruit on the tree, and there's none on it. And there's a reason why there's none on it. You know why? Because it wasn't the time for the fruit to be on it. But he's looking on it, and there's no fruit on it. You know what Jesus did? He said, no, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And he cursed that tree. The disciples like, what's up with that? <laughs> so they go on. And so the next day, they're walking back by that same tree again. And Peter points out to Jesus, hey, look, 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 look at that tree. You know, that's the tr- that, you cursed that tree yesterday. Look at it now. It's all withered up. And it was. I mean, the thing was just totally toast. It was withered. And Jesus said to them, like, we just can't believe this. I mean, you just spoke to that thing yesterday. Just yesterday. See, Jesus was giving them an example of the power of the words of our mouth. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And when we pray, don't turn around and start speaking doubt over your situation. Maybe God heard me. Maybe God didn't. I wonder how God's going to do this. If he don't do it the way I want him to, it just ain't God. You know? We, we start doubting God immediately sometimes when we pray. But Jesus said this in, in verse 22. He says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. It's going back to who we're praying to. Have faith in God. Now, the God you're praying to, think about that. The God you're praying to, does he love you? Do you have a relationship with him? Are you his son? Do you have that kind of relationship with him? Is he your Abba, your daddy? Then he wants to give you what you're asking for when you pray according to his will. And we know what his will is. It's found in his word. And so when we pray, we have confidence. This is the confidence that we have in him. So Jesus said, you can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the depths of the sea. And it will obey you if you have that kind of faith. Wow. Now, I know that Jesus was, was using this as an example of things that happened in our life. He wasn't literally saying that you can say to this mountain, be removed. I mean, if it, if it needed to be moved, if God wanted that mountain moved and you spoke it, guess what? That thing would move. It would fall into the depths of the sea if it needed to be moved. But he said, have faith in God. And you can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the depths of the sea and it shall, shall obey you. But when you stand praying, believe 
that you have already received what you pray for and it will be yours. How do we pray? No, I mean, how do we normally pray? We pray and then we look for the answer to come. Don't we? And immediately our faith starts doing this. It starts wavering. But when we pray, when we stand in faith and we pray, believe that you have already received what you pray for and it will be yours. That's faith. Faith is the substance of the things hoped for. It is the evidence of the things not seen. It's not that we see it with our eyes. We see it with the eyes of faith. We call those things which were not as though they were. You see? We, no wonder Abraham was the one that we always looked to. He was sort of the father of the faith. Because God told him to leave his family and go to a land that he would show him when he got there. Now how many of us are going to do that? I mean we, we're tied in with a company that say, we want you to move. Well you want me to go. I don't know. We'll tell you when you get there. Well I'm signing up for that, Right? But that's what God did with Abraham. Abraham didn't know where he was going. He just knew that God told him to go and he was being led by God. And then God began to do some things with him along the way. And he told him, you know, he said, I'm going to give you a son. And we know how God, he, uh, he and Sarah tried to, to, to come up with this thing to help God out. And it didn't work out too good. And they came up with an Ishmael. But God wanted to give him an Isaac. We know all of that. But when Isaac had grown up and he came to a point where his dad had really gotten attached to this young man. I mean, think about it. This young man had grown up and he had now become a young man and, and, and his father had high hopes for him because God had said what? He said, of Isaac, I'm going to bless the earth. His descendants are going to be like the sand on the seashore and like the stars in the heaven. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to bless the earth through him. And then God throws him a curveball and he says, I want you to take Isaac up on Mount Moriah and I want you to offer him up as a sacrifice. Why? I wonder how many times God, uh, Abraham went back to God and said, are you sure about this? No, he didn't say that. It says immediately. Abraham. I said, okay. Abraham believed God. And so he gets Isaac and he takes him up on Mount Moriah. Long story there. And I won't go into all the details, but when they get there, God provides a sacrifice because of this one statement that Abraham had made. Abraham believed that if God told him to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, that because of the promises of God concerning Isaac, that God would raise him up. He believed that. He was obedient. He trusted God. It's like, okay, I'll burn him up. Lord, I know you're able to raise him up from the ashes if that's what you want. And so God saw Abraham's heart. Sometimes in our lives, our faith is going to be tested that way. Sometimes the things that God asks us to do are not going to make sense. But do it anyway. Do it anyway. You know, it's just like when God sent Elijah to the woman, the, the Shunammite woman, and told her, you know, told her to feed him. It's like, give me some of your food. She said, all I got is a little bit of oil, a little bit of flour, a little bit of water, and I'm going to make a cake, and my son and I are going to eat it, and we're going to die. He said, make me a cake. Huh? You didn't hear me. All I've got is a little bit of oil, a little bit of water, a little bit of flour. I'm going to make a cake. My son and I are going to eat it. 
and we're going to wait to die. He said, no, make me a cake. Okay. That's what you want. Got nothing else to do. Make you a cake. So she made him a cake. And he ate it. And she ate. And her son ate. And you know what? Throughout the famine, God took care of her because she was obedient. So never discount what God is asking us to do. Just do it. Just do it. And I could go into example after example of, of just trusting God. You know, like when Jesus was, was when he encountered the, the wedding feast, you know, and his, his mom was there and, and, and they ran out of wine. And his mama says, you know, whatever he tells you to do, do it. He said, all right, get us some jugs, fill them with water, fill them with water. Jesus turned them into wine. You just, just trust him. Because this is what it means. He is exceedingly, abundantly able to do above and beyond anything. We can ask or think. Don't put limits on God. Don't put limits on God. And when you run into trouble, pray. Don't panic. Pray. Just trust God. Ephesians 3.20 says this again. I'm going to give it to you one more time. It says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power, his dunamis, at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Now I'm going to give you a closing statement today. I want you to just hang on to this. Okay? In light of all that's going on in this world that we live in, in this political landscape that we're a part of, all the stuff that we see happening, don't get anxious about it, okay? Don't get all uptight. You know, don't look at this party or that party as being the answer. Because the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. But in what? Prayer and thanksgiving with supplication. Make your request known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding. There's that thing again. All understanding shall guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. Pray. Pray. Talk to the one who's in control. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows all about it. So don't you worry about it. Don't you panic. Just trust the Lord. Now, also know this. God is not caught off guard. He knew this day would come and he spoke about it through the mouth of the prophets when he said in Jude Verses 17 through 25, he says, But you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ said. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers who were creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's Spirit in them. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution. Hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Now all glory to God. Say it with me. Who is able to keep you from falling away 
and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, and authority are his before all time and in this present time and beyond all time. Amen. That's a good note to end on, isn't it? God's in control. He's able to keep you from falling. He's able to present you to, to himself because he is exceedingly abundantly able to do above and beyond anything we can ask or think according to the power that's at work within us. I hope this message resonates in your heart today. I hope that it's been like a sword piercing asunder, digging in to your heart this morning and helping you to understand that, you know, we don't have to trust in the things that are going on around us. Our hope is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell therein. We all belong to him. He's in control. That's what you need to understand this morning. And he exceeds all of our expectations and anything else that we can imagine about him. There's, you know, he, he is so much more than we can even think. I don't know about you, but I want, you, I want to challenge you to do this in the morning. Or whenever you have your personal devotions. I want you just to get quiet before the Lord. And I just want you to begin to ask him, Lord, show me how big you are. You got any time on your hands? If God truly begins to reveal to you how big he is, you might be there for a few days or weeks or months. Because he's so much greater than anything we can even think or imagine. And he's a God who's not just out there, but who's with us whose spirit dwells in us, who's given us his power. The third person of the Godhead dwells in me. And greater is he that's in me than he is in the world. There's nothing, nothing too difficult. No challenge too big that God can't handle. I don't know what challenges you may be facing this morning. I want to tell you that it's not too big for God. I don't know what you're going through this morning. And some of you are struggling with some things. And we all have our struggles because... We are in this tent, this, this earthly tent, you know, that just houses our spirit, you know, and, and, it, and it has a mind and a soul. I mean, it's just got mind, will, and emotions attached to a spirit who lives in this house. And this house sometimes begins to break down just like our other house, you know, and, and we have to, have to maintain it. And sometimes we have to call in the expert, and that expert is Dr. Jesus. He's here today to minister to you. So if you have something going on in your body this morning, I believe the healing power of the Holy Spirit is here to touch you. I don't care what it is. And you say, well, pastor, you just don't know what I'm going through. It doesn't matter because he's exceedingly abundantly able to do above and beyond anything we can ask or think according to the power that's at work within him. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you're going through financially. You say, well, pastor, you just don't know what I'm going through financially. Man, we have built, a, we dug a hole so big we dug a hole so big, man, that there's just nothing going to dig us out of here. God is able. God is able. God is able to, to do more than you can ever think, ask or think. I don't know what it is that you might be facing. I don't know the challenges that you face. All of us have different challenges. You know, my wife and I have challenges. You know, we have current challenges. We've had past challenges. But through it all, through all of them, God is able. He's more than able. So 
That being said this morning, I just want you to stand to your feet. And I've challenged you with the word this morning. I've challenged you with the word. The rest is up to you. Are you going to have faith in God so that you can say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the depths of the sea and watch it obey you? You see, some of us are facing things that are monumental. They're like a mountain. But we won't be like, you know, the, the psalmist, he said, he said, I won't look to the hills and expect them to be my help. I'll look to the one who made the hills for my help. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.